HSPs have to be fierce boundary setters and fierce boundary upholders. We have to honor those boundaries. We have to be strict with them and we have to have a list of them. It's essential. And when I mentioned self-serving earlier, we have to be self-serving. That needs to be top of mind. So to be self-serving means to put your personal welfare and interest first. On the other hand, to be selfish means to put your personal profit and pleasure first. So it's personal welfare and interest versus personal profit and pleasure. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of the Two Please podcast. If this is your first time listening, just plain welcome. Glad you're here. This week we have a really great episode, of course, as always, but this one is really important to me because it's something that I resonate with so much and I really didn't know until I spoke to our guest this week, Alexandria Thibodeau. She is a lot of things, but she is furthering a movement about HSPs, highly sensitive people. And turns out I am a highly sensitive person. (laughs) I have known this about myself in some ways, like I've known that I'm always really sensitive and I always have been. Um, And I've done a lot of research on my own, like I've read into what it means to be an empath and just a lot of the behaviors that I recognize in myself and trying to figure out like where this is coming from. So this conversation was really affirming because I am an HSP. I am a highly sensitive person. If there was a definition to sum up how I experience the world, it would be an HSP. This episode is really important because one, I resonate so much with what Alexandria says and what an HSP is. And also, it just feels really relevant for my life right now. I feel like I'm struggling with all the feels that highly sensitive people feel because I just have a lot on my plate right now, to be completely honest. I started a new job that I am trying to, you know, learn the ropes and do well, and I'm doing this all remote, so I haven't seen anyone or been into the office on my new team. I'm planning a wedding in the midst of COVID, so plans have changed about 100 million times. We're looking for a house, and I'm definitely struggling to manage it. Oh yeah, and like the podcast stuff. I'm... There's so much to do all the time with like editing and guest sourcing. There's just a lot to do. So I'm just a little high strung, you could say. And it's definitely coming out. I'm so irritated just day to day. Any little thing I feel like I don't have the capacity for, like nothing. I cannot handle like one thing not going right. When I feel like this, I just feel overstimulated with the thoughts that are running in my head, with all the things that I have to do. And I notice some of the behaviors that Alexandria and I touched on, like I need to retreat. I want to be completely alone. I do not want to be touched at all. (laughs) Like I will not hold hands with Taylor. I will not accept hugs. I am at like, like do not add any more stimulation to what is going on with me right now because I simply cannot handle it or I'll freak out. And that's just how I've been feeling. That's been really bad today. Totally spiraling out. We tried to go on a walk and I just cannot get out of my head. And I was like borderline tears pretty much all day today. This was a Sunday when I normally edit. So just really on eggshells with myself trying to keep it together. And Taylor was like, what can we do? Like, what can we do? And I was like, I don't know. I just need to like get out. I need to go do something different. I need to get out of my head. I need to get out of my thoughts. I need to change this environment. So we go downtown. Just kidding. We don't go downtown. (laughs) We go to this place like by our house and it's perfect. It's like dead because it's Easter Sunday and it's just us two. And it's just this like little bar and grill. Like people are not going there for Easter dinner. (laughs) And it's just really calm. There's nobody in there. We have this quiet booth in the back. And it just instantly lifted my mood. And now I'm back recording. So 
Anyway, I love this conversation. I think it will really help anyone who is wondering if they are a highly sensitive person, if you feel like you have strong reactions to a lot of stuff going on around you, or if you're not an HSP, you probably have someone in your life that is, and this will definitely give you insight into what their life experience is and how you can empathize with what they're going through and be there for them because it is different. And I will say, even though my day was a little up and down, very up and down, editing this episode really just lifted my mood because Alexandria is so full of life and so full of energy and I just connected with her instantly when we had this conversation. So yeah, I hope you love it. I think it's really important. I think we need more people to be able to recognize that they are a highly sensitive person and really know how we can use the skills and tools and gifts that highly sensitive people have to make the world a better place because... I definitely believe that highly sensitive people can do that and they have special tools that if they are nurtured and taken care of can be really, really powerful. So let's get into it with Alexandria. She is a self-relationship coach, speaker, and writer, and she has a lot to say. Go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening or jump over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. I have to keep asking because that is how podcasts get discovered and you know, that's what I'm trying to do. So please consider leaving a five-star review if you think this conversation is helpful and could help someone else. That would really help me a lot. All right, here's Alexandria. We're talking about how HSPs some of their behaviors might look if they're not taking self-care seriously or they're not doing self-care that is really going to help them thrive with this superpower set of skills that they have. That is such a great question. Thank you so much for asking. So overwhelm or over arousal or overstimulation, we can use those words interchangeably, that is the Achilles heel of being a highly sensitive person. Because our depth of processing is so strong, we very quickly, therefore very easily, become overwhelmed. And that is something that every single HSP is constantly working to both combat and prevent. We are constantly working to try to find that level of homeostasis and peace within our physical bodies and our minds all the time. So if we are in a state of overwhelm, we are absolutely not going to be able to perform, whether it is uh, in a professional setting or even in a personal setting, interacting with others, we're not going to be able to full up in our fu- show up in our full humanity. We're not going to be able to conduct ourselves from a place of complete authenticity. And we are going to question the gifts that we have. One of the gifts that highly sensitives have are being extremely empathic. That come That is an innate gift that we possess. Empaths and HSPs are the same. They're up, so you can use those interchangeably. So so if we are in a state of hyper arousal or overwhelm, we're not gonna be able to actually conduct ourselves in a way that is representative of what we are feeling physically and emotionally. We're not gonna be able to advocate for ourselves in the moment. We're not gonna be able to assert ourselves and assert what we need. And oftentimes we can get very, very confused in the moment to a point where we don't even know what we need because we're so overstimulated and so over aroused to a point where we need to just remove ourselves from the area, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, and just go find preferably a small room, preferably a darker room, and just sit so we can catch our breath. So that is something that is very common. Also, every human being gets hangry. You know, when we're hungry, uh, we can get frustrated. However, for highly sensitives, that is taken to an extreme level. It is extremely real, uh, and I definitely experience that. 
Oh my gosh, I'm laughing because that's so true. <laughs> it's it's so true, and it's because HSPs are more susceptible to um, spikes and different reactions in blood sugar, just because of how our nervous systems are wired. Oh my gosh, yes. mm-hmm. uh, we're more susceptible to that. So hanger is a very real thing. So we need to make sure that we always have a snack packed. Uh, if I'm out and about, if I'm running errands, whatever, I gotta have something there. And I even tell my husband, I'm like, boo. Uh, if we're out somewhere for running errands, if I forget something, please make sure that you have like some baby carrots or something <laughs> because I'm going to need it. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. I had no idea yeah. that was connected. Can you yeah. say that again, what you said about blood sugar? So HSPs are more susceptible to spikes in blood Correct. sugar. We're more Is that what you said? To spikes in blood sugar. Spikes and dips, both. And- That's so... Wow, like my mind is blown right now because yeah. I have had conversations with my family. My mom, who's listening right now, she's gonna be like, "Wow, okay." Yeah. Because I've talked to her and she's like, "Well, you should get a a little blood sugar prick or to see like if your blood sugar really is that low." Because yeah. even when I was younger, I used to would I would say my legs feel like Jello. Oh wow! And oh, wow. because and like if we were like waiting for dinner, you know, yeah. and we're like, "We're all gonna sit down for dinner," and I'm like, "Nope, yep. my legs feel like Jello. Wow. I need to eat right now." Wow. And so my mom would start giving me snacks just to hold me over but I I truly feel that and I I've been questioning my blood sugar levels in the past few years because I noticed that so much and I'll feel it physically and then I know I need to eat something and then I thought like oh it's clearly a blood sugar thing but yeah the link to feeling highly sensitive as well is just so fascinating yeah I mean it's amazing it's so fascinating because it just shows it just shows us how deeply intertwined our nervous systems are with our physiological functions and our mental functions and our emotional functions. It's really mind-blowing, especially since it's not well known. I mean, there are MDs, there's physicians, there's uh, psychologists and therapists who aren't even aware of this. And it's like it it's it's mind-blowing because it affects so many people and it's such a significant part of humanity, 15 to 20%. Yeah. Do you think that there are a lot of people that maybe don't know that this is something they have? 100%. I was one of them going through life very frustrated, not knowing I had this trait and therefore not knowing how to hone my skills and use them in ways to serve me. Um, A lot of people are unaware of it because we don't have the awareness about it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into that, but we have to go back because I did not click record. So can you tell us just one more time what an HSP is, what characteristics they have, and then what it isn't? Absolutely. So a highly sensitive person is someone who possesses a physiological genetic trait called sensory processing sensitivity. Sensory processing sensitivity means that we possess an acutely wired nervous system. So an extra sensitively wired nervous system. And that is associated with a deeper cognitive processing of physical, social, and emotional stimuli. In layman's terms, that means that highly sensitive persons are able to sense the subtle in their environment. They're able to see things others don't see. We're able to feel things others don't feel. Uh, We're deeply empathic. We're fiercely intuitive. Um, And also to be considered a highly sensitive person, we have to meet the criteria for does. Does is an acronym which was created by Dr. Elaine Aaron, who is the psychologist who coined and discovered the term highly sensitive person in 1991. Incidentally, that's when I was born, so I like to make the joke that Dr. Aaron's intuition was fiercely on point. She knew I was coming, and she knew knew I would need an explanation for this. (laughs) And so um, I'll go through what that acronym represents. So D 
stands for depth of processing, which really is the core of the HSP nervous system. We, like I said, we have a deeper cognitive processing of physical, social, and emotional stimuli. We just process things deeper. We absorb them in our physical bodies and in our emotions more. It's just how we're wired. O stands for overstimulation or overarousal because that is the Achilles heel of being highly sensitive. Because we have such an extreme depth of processing, it is very easy for us to become overstimulated with all of that data we're taking in and processing longer and deeper than the average person around us. E stands for empathy and emotional reactivity. So HSPs are deeply empathic by nature, and that is because the area in the brain associated with what others are feeling and with what others' intentions are is extra active in the HSP brain. It's called the um, moat, oh my gosh. I think it's called the motor neural, motor neural area, motor neuron. I'm not sure, but give that a Google. It's more active in the HSP brain, which is why we are innately deeply empathic. Now, the other side of E is emotional reactivity. Because HSPs are taking in much more stimuli than the average person around us, because we're processing it deeper, because we're processing it longer, and because we have longer lasting effects from processing that stimuli, we are naturally going to have stronger emotions associated with that processing. So a lot of people think, oh, HSPs are just like very sensitive people, they're very emotional. It's so much more than that. It's we're, you know, it makes sense that we're going to have a strong reaction because there's a lot more going on in our bodies. And then S stands for sensing of the subtle, which is our greatest superpower. We are able to sense things in our environment that others miss. They go undetected by other people, whether it's hearing something others can't hear, physically feeling something others can't feel, like we'll be able to feel the grace of this wind that was barely anything and no one else can feel it. Um, we'll be able to, because we're empathic, we're able to feel other people's emotions when others don't have that ability. And we're processing all of that um, in a, in a surrounding, in an environment where that is not the majority. Also, HSPs are one in five, so that's 15 to 20%. So we process the world differently than, is, is this math correct? Differently than 80 to 85% of the world, which is very significant. And it also affects non-human animals in the exact same way. One in five non-human animals also possess the genetic trait, and it's because it's a survival tactic. So if you have a herd of five zebra, and one, one of them is going to be highly sensitive, it's going to be able to detect that there is impending danger before or not even necessarily before, they might be able to detect it when no one else will. So that zebra will be able to either hear something that the others don't hear or see something or just detect something, detect something minute that no one else is aware of. So that zebra is able to preemptively alert the herd, hey, there's danger afoot and we need to leave before it comes to us. So listen to me, let's go. And it's amazing. And it also affects um, males and females with the same rate, 50% are, Female, well, let me say this, 50% are female assigned to birth, 50% are male assigned at birth. So it affects us equally. Yeah, that's really interesting because I do think that there's just this idea that it would be mostly women and I yes. I don't know any men like off the top of my head that would like know that maybe they identify like this. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you said um, earlier was that it was genetic. So yes. if, if someone feels that would mean that that I, that I might have someone in my family and you said it was likely a parent. So I wonder yeah. if 
Yeah, I mean, you could have gotten it from your mom, you could have gotten it from your dad or anybody else. And um, it's fun for a lot of people to speak to their parents and ask them questions about how they acted as a child, how they acted growing up, how they, re how they responded to things, um, what their temperament was like. And oftentimes, parents will say, well, you know what, you were kind of shy as a child, which is a misconception. A lot of people think HSPs are shy in nature. Shy means timid, shy means afraid, shy means insecure. And that is not necessarily true of the HXP, HSP experience. Because we are deeply processing, we, we are quiet because we're taking in our surroundings so deeply and we're processing it. We're, we're reflecting on how that is affecting us emotionally. We're reflecting and taking in how that's affecting us physically. And we're also, we tend to be slow processors because there's so much going on in here that we can't do it quickly. So, you know, we, we slow down. We HSPs uh, possess an innate pause to check system, which is really uh, a benefit because it allows us to make critical and well thought out choices and decisions because it allows us, it forces us really to think about something very thoroughly uh, before we take action. So it's, it's a really great benefit. So we tend to be slower processors. So people label us, oh, they're shy, they're timid. It's like, no, I'm just taking it in. <laughs> yeah. My question like after that is, do you think that people can, you can't develop it? Can, can you develop it? That's a very interesting question. So you know what? I don't know the answer to that. I would like to look that up. Thank you for presenting that. So here's what I'm thinking. I think that there's probably parts that you could hone in on. Exactly. It's like the nature versus nurture. It's like if you practice that trait, you hone in on it, you prioritize it, you dedicate time to understanding it, then, I mean, isn't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. Isn't that how, how science works? <laughs> how, like, literally, how evolution works? Like when you prioritize this trait or... You use that trait as a way to survive. You know, you prioritize it as a survival tactic instead of saying, ooh, sensitivity is a weakness, ew. If you change your mindset and you say, no, this is a tremendous gift. I'm, I may not possess the trait of being highly sensitive, but I want to be more emotionally sensitive, meaning I want to be more aware. I want to be more mindful of my surroundings. I want to be more cognizant of how I'm affecting others and more cognizant of how others um, conduct themselves. Yeah, I think that's absolutely possible. You can, that, oh my God, ooh, this is coming to me. That is a way. Are you familiar with epigenetics? No. Oh my goodness, let's talk about that. So epigenetics refers to the DNA makeup within your bloodline, specifically stemming from the females. So here's what I mean by that. So. In terms of trauma, so generational trauma stems from epigenetics involving trauma. So if you're, whatever, whatever trauma your family has, because every family's gonna have their own forms of trauma, everyone's going to, it's gonna be unique to that family. Whatever trauma your grandmother experienced, she transferred that to your mother in the womb. Like it literally changed the DNA within your bloodline. And so trauma that your grandmother had that she experienced is in you because it was passed down through you in your mother's womb. And so because we can literally change the DNA and we, and we can reverse it. So trauma literally is ingrained in us physically. It's in our DNA makeup, this trauma, and it's going to affect our, our physiological and emotional and mental structure. 
We also have the power to completely erase that. When we break harmful cycles, when, you, when we break generational cycles, and we do that by upholding boundaries and by doing things differently, by expanding our minds, we are literally able to reverse that and start a new line of less traumatic DNA. So back to your original question, I had to explain that. I feel like absolutely, if we hone these skills, we can perpetuate the highly sensitive trait of sensory processing sensitivity. I believe that is possible if we, as a collective, prioritize sensitivity more and we value it more and we implement practicing sensitivity in our various societies and institutions. That was a long answer to your question. No, I love it. I I love that. I think that it, yes, I think that there are, are definitely ways to do that. So kind of what I was thinking, you took it like 10 steps farther, which I love, <laughs> of like, you can, as, uh, as someone maybe who doesn't identify as an HSP naturally, like you can yeah. practice fi- mindfulness to you know, pause, do like initiate your own pause check system that might come naturally to an HSP, but to say like, okay, I'm driving in the car and there's a lot going on. It's raining. There's this heavy traffic. There's the sun is coming down and it's in my eyes. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm like so aware of and it bothers me when I'm driving. So like have, you can implement those things to hone those skills now. And then like the generational effect of doing that now could cultivate like a world where there's more people that identify this way and maybe know how to use it. Absolutely. And that that's my goal. That's literally the mission. That is literally the movement that I am trying to further is to try to make this world collectively more sensitive, more mindful, more aware, and ultimately more empathetic because we are prioritizing sensitivity. I'm further in the movement. Yes, I love it. And I think that I I think that it's gonna work because I think that people are open to that idea, especially, you know, given everything that's happened in the news in the last year and like wow what it would mean to have leaders in positions that knew that one had these tools of empathy first of all you know (laughs) that one would be nice on its own but having you know all these other skills to understand people and understand needs maybe that aren't innately expressed because that's how I see things like we were chatting before I clicked (laughs) record of how I of how I sometimes can tell what's going on with my fiance or like he is not a highly sensitive person and so he'll be bothered and I can tell I'll be sitting next to him and I can tell that he is like physically bothered and kind of uptight but he's not taking any action to like fix it most recent example is we're eating on the couch and our little five pound dog that you saw is just kind of like nosing around trying to get to his food and Taylor's watching tv and he's just kind of like mindlessly nudging and like still trying to eat and then I'm like all right like yes the dog and then he'll just give this big sigh of like I had no idea that that was bothering me and so having leaders being able to you know see the challenges without having them be overtly expressed I think would be a really powerful thing that could happen in our society and I honestly think people are more open to it which is why I love this conversation because as someone I'm I'm learning it right and it sounds like you I've anyone who has these types of skills or feels these types of things is going to have their own story of like how the heck do we do this thing (laughs) like how do we go through life with these emotions with these feelings because it's really hard it's it's hard to even 
I be able to identify them. And sometimes I get frustrated because I do state what I'm feeling, but people don't always know what to do with it. Yes. Or they don't understand how real it is for me to feel that. Yes, that's so real. So let me tell you about my morning because this (laughs) happened like just before we hopped on this call. So we are house shopping. So we went to go to a showing this morning at like 9 a.m. And so my fiance is like super buzzed. He's like so excited. He's like really wants property. So he's just been buzzing since yesterday about this showing. And so like there's weird energy from that because there's like so much unknown. It's another property, whatever. And then we go get some bagels after and it's busy. There's there's like loud music. There's like a huge line of people. There's just so much going on. And then we get in the car and then Taylor is like, okay, well, I need to eat the sandwich and I'm going to FaceTime my mom because she just called and then we're going to drive home all at the same time. Girl, I'm triggered. And I'm like, (laughs) keep going. And then like every bump in the car, I'm like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I get so irritable when there's so much going on and it's because there's so much stimuli happening. And then we get home and he's just like wanting to check in, right? Because he can sense that that I'm just like kind of shutting down a little bit or like not wanting to connect with him as much. So he'll ask me and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm just, I feel overstimulated. And I will tell that to him. Like I feel overstimulated. (laughs) And then he'll still like, he's, love language is touch. So he'll still like just try to pat me on the back or like had a hair clip in so he's messing with it and I'm like oh I'm gonna lose it (laughs) yes oh my god (laughs) um I deeply empathize with that keep going that's like a real life situation that happens many 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 times a week probably daily honestly if if there's just a lot going on so yeah I'm curious what your experience is with figuring this out for yourself if, is this something that your family brought to you that you found on your own that you really identified with? Like, what's been your journey with it? Uh, uh, this is a great story. I'm going to, it's very long, so I'm going to try to condense it. So here's what happened. So I, I discovered this through my treacherous, hellacious, traditional slash corporate career. So my bachelor's degree is in psychology. Since I was 16 years old, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was like, I'm going to be a marriage and family therapist. It's going to be amazing. I have a plan. I've got a vision. That's what's happening. Love it. And so I get to college and I'm on my high horse. I'm like, all these fools keep changing their major. They don't know what they want. I've got my major. I'm solid. I love what I'm learning. I'm so excited for my future work. So I, when I was 20 years old, I'm, tw- I'm 30 now, I became vegan. I'm not vegan anymore. And that completely transformed my life, completely. And so my senior year of college, perfect timing. Going Going vegan vegan did. Completely transformed my life. Okay. You're going to tell us. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I I initially went vegan for uh, animal rights and for environmentalism. Well, for animal rights is initially why I did it. And then I learned more and I was like, oh, my God, the environment. And then it was like, oh, my God, this is so healthy. Like, this this is the thing. I'm not vegan anymore now. Anymore now, though. So... My senior year of college, the worst timing for this, I was like, well, I don't want to be a therapist anymore. I want to go into nutrition and be a registered dietitian because of this vegan thing. This is what I want to do now. And so at the time, I had a, I had a job lined up. I'm putting that in quotations because it was a job. It was by no means a career. So I landed a job as a teacher's assistant at an infant and toddler Montessori school. And we have so much in common. Oh my God, are you serious? 
Yes, I legit like thought I was going to be a marriage and family therapist. What? I didn't go down that road as far as you because I realized sooner that I was like, I actually have my own things. <laughs> I can't really take on other people's issues. Yes. But my one of my best friends in college is a marriage and family therapist. Oh, wow. we, my major was family studies. And then after freaking college, I worked at a preschool. Oh, my God. This is so wild. Yeah. I'm gagged right now. Oh, my God. So... I, I had this job at an infant toddler Montessori school and I was like, okay, this is going to be great because I'm going to be working with children and their parents to basically help facilitate the uh, psychological development of these children. And so we're going to work together. We have we have like regular meetings and I'm just like, okay, this will be great. Um, but it was, and, and Montessori is an alternative form of education, which I'm all about. Um, as a highly sensitive person, I think that's definitely like a great option for highly sensitive children because it allows them to learn and express themselves at their own pace and express themselves in their full authenticity. Love it. However, that job paid $10 an hour, which isn't even real money. That's like fake money. It's like monopoly money. Like what even is that? Even I, I gained a lot from this job because it blew my mind, like learning about the Montessori method and helping to facilitate it. It blew my mind how much we underestimate young children. I mean, there are kids that are like 14, 15 months old who literally can like serve themselves a plate of food and then like take it to their little like dishes station yes. and like wash their dish. And I'm like, oh my what and like they can dress themselves at like 15 16 months i'm like oh my god so i gained a lot and my mind was blown and it was really amazing however i don't like children like oh. <laughs> i'm not a fan of kids and i really learned that through that job and it's like dealing with 12 toddlers all day and it's just like no. oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> and making ten dollars i was like oh my god i'm dying like i'm every day i'm dying and so but I was like, well, what do I do? Like, I only have a bachelor's in psychology. You can't get a job with that. Like, that is useless. Like, you get a bachelor's in psychology to get a master's or higher, which I didn't do. But I'm like, I gotta get out of here. So I connected with an old friend from college. And I was like, hey, haven't seen you in years. What are you doing? And she's like, well, I have this horrible job. It's the worst thing in the world. But she's like, I have benefits in a 401k. And I'm like, that sounds great. Like, it sounds like you have a... More than I had. More than I had. It sounds like a real adult job, like, where you have a desk. Like, I don't want that, but, like, I need that. I need to get it together. So even though I knew I would hate whatever she did, I was like, well, I have to do this to level up. Um, oh, my God. So I got a job at this corporate company, and I worked in a call center, which essentially is a sweatshop. Like, it's so dreadful. I did tech support right after my What is that? Job. Basically the same thing. Like I took calls for a software company. What is the? Wow. We are so aligned. This is amazing. We're two HSPs going through the journey. Oh my God. This is incredible. I'm loving this. So I'm in a call center and I'm like, wow, this is the worst thing ever. Like on day one, I wanted to quit. I was like, I hate this, but I, I what am I supposed to do? Like I, I need to build my resume. I need money. And it paid just a little bit more. It paid like $16.75 an hour. And I'm like, well, that's more than 10. So sure. So I forced myself to stay in this hellacious job for a year. Then I got a promotion basically as a glorified customer service rep with like a little more autonomy. And then I was like, okay, this really is horrible. This is so terrible. Like I literally feel like I'm dying every day. I'm so depressed. Like I hate my life, but like, what am I supposed to do? So I got a third promotion and I was excited about this. Cause I was like, okay, great. I am really leveling up in this role. I was no longer client facing. I was like a business operations analyst. Like, I don't even know what that is. I didn't even want the job. I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care about the job or anything that it had or anything that, 
I was supposed to do. I didn't care. I was just like, okay, this job makes a lot more money. I'm not client facing. I'm going to have so much more autonomy. I'm going to be able to breathe easier tight. And that's exactly what happened. It was a lot easier. I made more money. I had more prestige and I didn't have to do that much. And I was still so miserable. I was like, I hate this. Like, I don't care about this company. I don't care about our services. This means nothing to me. I want to have a career where I am contributing in a way I'm contributing in ways that are in alignment with my values. Like I can't just like sit at a desk and have a mindless job. But I was like, I have to stay here. Okay, so question real quick. During this journey thus far, did you know you were an HSP? I I was just suffering, torturing myself. And so here's the situation. I I, I eventually quit, it took a long time. I finally quit. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But I want to do something that's in alignment with my values. And so I decided to do something that made literally no sense, but also did make sense. I was like, I'm going to go into animal welfare because I've always had a bleeding heart for animals. You don't make money in animal welfare. If you do, you make like $10 an hour or you're a volunteer. But I was like, I just need to do something in alignment with me. So I signed up for this volunteer, like, uh, this volunteer hotline that like helps uh, wild animals who have been injured. And so they train us how to do triage and, and what to do. And they give us all these materials. And I'm like, I cannot do this. Like there are, like if there's like a dead animal, I don't want to see that. Like they're talking about possums who are dead on the side of the road that have like live babies in their pouches. And I'm like, I cannot do this. Like the compassion fatigue is so real. This is depressing. I don't want to like, what 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 if I what if I save a little baby squirrel and it dies? I can't go through that. So I was like, okay, this is not gonna work. So I'm like, what do I do? And at this time, my husband and I were living in St. Louis. He gets a new job because he had a hellacious job. He gets a new job and he's emailing back and forth with the HR person who like offered him a job, they're negotiating salary. He doesn't hear from this company for a week, and we're like, oh god, like it's it looks like they ghosted you, like did you lose the job? Like, did you ask for too much money? Like, what is this? Then like a week later, the CEO emails him at 10.30 PM and is like, hey, so sorry for the delay in response, yada, yada, yada. You're definitely still hired. However, I've decided to move the creative team to Denver. Are you down to move? And we were like, oh my God, yes, St. Louis sucks. Let's move. And so I was like, John, when we move to Denver, I am never getting a traditional job again. I am starting anew. I'm never doing this. Like I cannot have a traditional job. It doesn't work for me. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going back to work. And he was like, okay. So we move here and then financial panic ensues. Cause I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of sticker shock between rent here and in St. Louis. Um, bills like, uh, life. Oh my God. I reluctantly got a job at a staffing agency. I cried on the way home from the interview because I didn't want the job. And I lasted two weeks, had a breakdown and quit. So I'm on the phone with my friend. This is this is where it gets juicy. I'm on my phone with my friend and I'm like, what is wrong with me? I was like, I cannot do traditional work. Like nobody likes their jobs. Everybody hates their jobs. But everyone finds a way to manage. Everyone finds a way to just get through it. And I literally can't. It is too much on my psyche. I'm crazy. And she's like, you're not crazy. You're just highly sensitive. And when she said that, I was shook. It deeply resonated with me because I have always known I'm a sensitive person. That wasn't a shock to me. I know that. But when she said highly sensitive, I was like, this actually sounds like a real thing. Is this a real thing? So I consulted the Oracle that is Google and discovered, oh my God, this is in fact a thing. This is a genetic trait. This affects my physiological body. This is how I'm wired. 
it's not an opinion. I was like, oh my God. And I felt completely affirmed and validated in who I am. And I was like, oh, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to tell the world about this. I'm going to help other people um, understand and embrace their skills and champion their skills as a way to serve them and others. I got so excited. So that is the answer. I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad you found it because you need to be Thank doing you. it. And I really resonate with the your journey I mean there's so many parallels to mine even just with like the literal jobs that we did which is insane that's why I had to ask because to be a highly sensitive person and work at a preschool or early childhood place my oh my gosh you have no let me tell you something can I tell you this this is is super relevant so Dr. Elaine Aaron Aaron the psychologist who discovered and coined the term highly sensitive person discovered the trait coined the term she describes this brilliantly she says that in every aggressive society there are going to be two ruling classes it's going to be the warrior kings and the royal advisors so traditionally you know when we had societies of monarchies which i guess still exists but you know what i mean um there would be a king who was in charge of war who was in charge of everything and then they would have an advisor to literally keep them in check to make sure that they were considering all the options, all the consequences to their possible choices, make sure that they are being fair. That was their job. And so in today's modern society, we HSPs innately and willingly uh, fall into those roles. And we do that in roles such as teachers, coaches, therapists, healers, um, even scientists, um, clergy, uh, what are some others? All kinds of things. And it's like we are innately, like yeah, like we, we possess that innately. Like it, it's, it's easy for us to do that. So we fall into those roles. However, in today's modern society where competitive personalities are championed and preferred over those who are sensitive and calculative and mindful, they are championed more. They are respected more. So it becomes increasingly difficult for us HSPs to maintain those roles. It's so hard. And so what I really want to do within my movement is to bring awareness and knowledge and understanding of this trait within schools, within organizations, within government agencies, so that people are aware of that and that they understand that there are people in in their space, in their arena, wherever they are, who possess this trait and who are going to be able to bring a totally different perspective to the table and really help to push the needle forward. I mean, we HSPs are the royal advisors. We have the innate drive and the innate skills and abilities to progress humanity forward, to push the collective forward. And we need to be more active in these leadership roles. We need to find ways to integrate ourselves into these roles. We just have to be assertive. We just have to say, hey, we're here. I'm highly sensitive. You don't know that. You've got a lot of highly sensitives in your office. You didn't know that either. You need to know it. You need to know what we can bring to the table. You need to know how we can abundantly uh, expand the creativity of this organization, of this company. You need to understand that we have the potential to, to expand the movement, whatever that may be, in ways that reach more people, in ways that uh, champion more people. And I'm like, I'm like getting hot, I'm like getting all passionate and heat about this. It's just, it's so necessary. And we need to put ourselves in those spaces and and be assertive with the knowledge we have. And, and we need to, we need people to listen to us. Like I, I really wanna get into corporate training and leadership consulting so that I can, you know, have these workshops or have these talks and integrate the knowledge of this into these spaces so that we can 
we can change things. I mean, even even in cinema, like I want TV scripts and movie scripts to be written differently. I want to incorporate highly sensitives into that, into the media, into the entertainment that we that we take in. It's so necessary. Oh my God, maybe should I get into screenwriting? Love, maybe. I think yes. I mean, I love it all. I think that it, like, to imagine a world that had you know, this emphasis on highly sensitive people and like yes. nurturing them because I think that's like the biggest yeah. struggle because even just hearing about like your jobs with, you know, kids and customer service and work environments and yeah. the corporate world, it's like the people that can, you know, be cutthroat and like yep. do that are rewarded and an HSP is just going to be like... That's not for us. Like we can't work those long hours. Like I... But imagine if the if yeah. everything shifted and like you maybe didn't take like five million calls for people yelling at you in exactly. customer service <laughs> and like what would that right. look like or you know like took that just like the stimuli yes. into consideration in offices or like fluorescent lighting I mean we know that sucks yes. but just like your environment in general and I just yes. think like those types of conversations are happening with the environment and what if we actually built our world to be sustainable and how beautiful yes. that would actually be. And I just think the same thing is true of incorporating like more knowledge and awareness around yeah. highly sensitive people because there is like a huge call for yes. empathy right now. And like these are the people that can really Absolutely. help move We're that here. forward. We've got the skills, we've got the drive to propel humanity forward in this way, to champion empathy, to prioritize it. You said it all. Like I'm I'm so passionate about furthering this movement of understanding HSPs and championing them and, and really it's gonna sound negative, but using them in positive ways to move the needle and and using our skills while first accepting and embracing our full humanity. We mentioned that we need snacks because our blood sugars are spiking up and down. <laughs> like, what are some other things that you do day to day to like keep you who you want to be? I love that. That's a beautiful question. So because HSPs are innately very astute, I make it a priority to be extremely self-aware. And I've noticed that you've done that as well. You're very self-aware and that's really amazing. It's easy to not be self-aware. Um, it's easy, like for, for example, HSPs are very sensitive to light. I am one, I am constantly adjusting the light within my home because it's too bright or it's too dark. And it's little things like you might be squinting in your home and it's just like, why am I squinting? Maybe it's a little bright, but whatever, I'll just like deal with it. And it's like, it's so easy for us to just not understand what's going on with us. So I make it a priority to really be mindful of how my body is physically feeling in any given moment, as well as how I am feeling emotionally. I have to make sure that when I am having a strong reaction, or not even just necessarily a strong reaction, but it's easier for this example, when I'm having a strong reaction to ask myself why, and I shouldn't say reaction, let me say response, that's more accurate. If I'm having a strong response to something emotionally and or physically, I stop and I ask myself why so that I can figure out how to react in a way that will best serve me and not exacerbate my current overwhelm. It's about being very intentionally mindful. Um, that's the biggest thing I can say. And with even, even little minute things that we don't think about, like I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound weird because it's gonna sound extra and dramatic. And if it does, that's cool, I'm here for it. But I literally had an almost euphoric experience the, the other night. Let me tell you why. And it was an accident. I didn't expect it. 
um, I was getting ready for bed and in my bathroom this night, this particular evening, I decided to put um, this one particular candle in, in my bathroom. I usually have like a little tea candle in there to just have some cute little light, but this is different. It was a bigger candle and it was a green glass uh, container, okay? So the green glass is really the magic here, which I didn't even realize. I'm in the bathroom, um, I have that light on and then another kind of like basic light. It, it's beautiful lighting and it's dark. And I had just washed my face and I had just put moisturizer on my face. And I was like, okay, the next thing for me to do is to lotion my hands, which is something I don't do every night. I don't have like a nightly ritual. I was just like, this, I, I need this right now. I'm ashy. <laughs> so yeah. I'm putting on the lotion and oh my God, it felt so luxurious. It felt so exquisite. It's, I'm not new to lotion. Like I wear lotion all the time. And I'm just like, oh my God, like it just, the coating of it on my hands and the way I was moving my hands, I was moving them slowly. And I was like, oh my God, this is an experience. This is a moment right now. And I, I felt, what's the word? Yeah, we'll go with that. I felt very sexy and I also felt very calm. Both are true. And I was just like ecstatic in this moment. I was like, oh my God, I'm loving this. And it's it's something like that. It's so basic. It's just like, I I took the time to recognize, oh, I'm enjoying this. Let me like lean into it more. And I took the time to, to be slow and intentional as opposed to just going like this really quickly with my hands. I was like really feeling it. And it was such a joyful experience. It like stabilized my, my nervous system in a really beautiful way. And it's just, that was a long answer to your question. It's just being intentionally mindful of yourself. I'm all about the self, like self-reverence, self-care, being self-serving, which by the way is different than being selfish. All about that, focus on you. Do things your way. That is also extremely important. Do things your way, um, because if you don't do things your way, you're going to be influenced by other people telling you how you should act and how you should do it. So do things your way, even if it goes against the status quo, even if it makes people uncomfortable. HSPs have to be fierce boundary setters and fierce boundary upholders. We have to honor those boundaries. We have to be strict with them and we have to have a list of them. It's essential. And when I mentioned self-serving earlier, we have to be self-serving. That needs to be top of mind. So to be self-serving means to put your personal welfare and interest first. On the other hand, to be selfish means to put your personal profit and pleasure first. So it's personal welfare and interest versus personal profit and pleasure. So our welfare is our physical well-being, our mental well-being. It is, and our interests are our goals, our dreams, our visions, our missions, our movements. We need to put that first so that way we can, we can approach things in our full humanity from a place of complete authenticity. Um, and unwavering self-respect. That's what I try to do. I, I want to help people navigate life from a place of self-acceptance so that they can navigate life from a place of fierce intuition and unwavering self-respect and complete authenticity. That is what allows us to protect our peace. We have to protect our peace at all costs. That has to be top of mind. It is not selfish. It is not wrong. We cannot serve others if we are not, we can't serve others from a place of overflow if our cup isn't full. And we HSPs innately want to help other people. We love it. So we need to take care of ourselves first. And that goes for everyone. It's just especially true for the HSP because we have to moderate our, uh, our overstimulation. Yeah, I love what you said about being self-serving instead of selfish, because I think that's a struggle for me personally with 
mm-hmm. with all of this of like my boundaries and like what I need are some things that people might not understand or expect yes. more of me. Like why can't I do things this way or like why can't I be in this environment when everyone else can or like I would like to be but it's really taking everything out of me to do that where that I feel selfless because I am literally hurting myself to do this for like what I think and it could be just being in an environment with a lot going on like whether it's a friend's house or like family get together or whatever where I feel like I should spend a certain amount of time out in the living room with everyone or whatever and then that's really not what's serving me and it's hurting me to do that but then I feel like weird about going off by myself or like they're gonna think that I don't want to spend time with them or whatever so I think that's just like to highlight and call out that that can happen like whether you're an HSP or not like I don't know. Yes. I think this conversation can help both sides of understanding Abs- people that do feel that and if you're 100%. someone who actually does identify with some of these characteristics because I think, yeah, it's yes. just, there's so much There's so there. much there. <laughs> I Like, actually, I think it was Christmas. Yeah, it would have been Christmas 2019. I had a little bit of a gathering. I had a little bit of a Christmas party. And I got to a point where I think it was at like, it might have been 9 or 9.30. And I announced, I was like, okay, I'm done. I would like you all to leave. Like, it's to a point now where I am so assertive and declarative about my needs. And I do it with grace and kindness, but I don't have any shame or guilt about it. There's so much guilt and shame with asserting ourselves, especially as women in our cultures and societies. Um, and I consider myself an untamed woman. By the way, if you haven't read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, please do so. Have you read that book? Oh my God. It's like so life-changing. And so I was like, yeah, um, thank you for coming. I would like to lay down now, like goodbye. And people left. It was great. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, props to you for even inviting people over. Yeah. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just straight up will not host for that reason. I mean, 70% of HSPs are introverts. Um, so that makes sense. I, I like to consider myself an extroverted introvert. If, yeah, because I like to talk. I like to converse. Um, but then it's like, like after this, like I'm just I'm just gonna go chill. Like <laughs> I need to, yeah. and this has been so lovely and so wonderful. But it's just like I'm, I, that's enough. I'm I'm feeling electrified and I need to come down a bit and I'm just gonna uh, rot on the couch for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would just challenge anyone who's listening if you do feel like that. Or one of the things that's really telling for me is that like I just can sometimes yes. feel really bothered. Just I'm just yes. so bothered yes. by everything. And I'm like, yeah. why am I so yep. bothered? I should be able to like just yep. do this mm-hmm. like everyone else. Like very small things. Or like I'm on my computer and someone is getting water from the sink, God forbid. The sink is like yes. making noise when I'm trying to focus yes. and read something. Like yes. that's the kind of stuff that that makes me like know that I am highly sensitive because I I mean I go through regular cycles of feeling like yes. really irritable mm-hmm. you know normal stuff yeah. but this at some level is is a different feeling where I'm like okay if I'm that bothered by the sink water then I need to check myself because yes. I can get out of that like it doesn't have to be yeah. that way and I don't have to say like this is my boundary you may not be on the sink when I am reading on my yeah. computer in the same room like that is yeah. not a boundary I'm gonna set it's more of like it it makes me go in to say like, 
okay, what do I actually need then to get this in a better place? Like, do I need to work out? And what type of workout? Like, do I need to do yoga? Do I need to do cardio? Do I need to work out outside? Would I like to be inside? Like, all of those things can help me. I love that. You're so self-aware. I really champion you for that. And I find it inspiring. You're a model for self-awareness. It's, and, 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 being so self-aware helps us to better empathize with others. I always say we have to prioritize nurturing the self first because that's where we learn true love and true love knows true empathy. So I very much appreciate that about you. And it's also the same, like, I'm also bothered a lot. I'm so bothered. I feel like I'm the most bothered. Like, (laughs) I feel a lot of my podcast is me talking about things I'm bothered by and giving solutions and context to it. And it's, it's, it's not even just, just physical things. It's the state of the world. I'm just like, I'm angry. I'm pissed off because I just, what is, what the, the, the things that are going on in the world are so deeply affecting me. Like I'm angry, I'm heated, or I'm like massively depressed by it. Like it knocks me out. And it's just like, I mean, the majority of people are not happy with the state of the world right now. I, you know, the majority are not. Um, it's just that again, with us HSPs, we have more severe, more long lasting effects and it, it affects our day to day life. It affects how we approach making dinner. Like it, it affects everything. Like oh, doom scrolling for an HSP. That's torment. My that's complete God. torment. <laughs> yes, it totally is. Okay. I have three questions that I ask all my guests here at the okay. end and then we'll wrap things up. First question is, what is something you do that makes you feel like you're Ooh, I love that. Dance. Dance. Ooh, what kind of dance? Just in your room, like ballroom style, just move around? So I dance every every day. I'm not a professional dancer by any means, but I consider myself a dancer because I love to dance and it fuels me and I think I'm, I'm okay at it. And... It's, it's a mix of things. I really like modern dance, contemporary, flowy. I love to flow my body around. Um, I love to twerk. <laughs> oh my God, that's another thing. HSPs are deeply moved by the arts and by beauty, like very deeply. Like it affects us on such an intense level. So yes, there's a show called Legendary. It's on HBO. It's about ballroom dance, which is, I just learned about that. Uh, ballroom dance is a form of dance that the LGBTQ uh, community created and it's just like this underground form of dancing where you do a lot of these stylized like arm and hand movements hairography like all this weird awesome shit and, and flips and I'm just like oh my god this speaks to my soul I need to find a house like they have a house it's like the house of Escada and I need to find a house with a house mother or father and then I'm just gonna join this ballroom group and oh my god so dance Second question, what do you do to find inspiration when you're feeling uninspired? Oh, I love this question. What a phenomenal question. Oh, my God. Everyone, human being is creative. And again, with everything, HSPs are exceptionally creative. So what I'll do is I am a visual person. I like to watch somebody, whether like on TV, watch someone in their zone, watch someone in their full authenticity, watch someone executing their passion. So one of the things I really love is... Um, oh my God, what is that show? Chef's Table. It's on Netflix. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I don't watch it. I, I love it. it. I love the storytelling. And I'm just like, oh my God, these people 
have done, have gone through so much hell to just achieve their goals. They have gone through so much just to purely be themselves and they don't give up on that. They are so dedicated to themselves. They pledge allegiance to themselves and their values and their integrity and their missions and their movements. And then they create something amazing that fuels them and serves others. I love that. I just love seeing someone in their element, especially Drag Race. I'm obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh my God. Like these are literally a bunch of weirdos. These are a bunch of people who do not uh, conform to the status quo and they're their wild, authentic, radical selves and championed for that. And they're, they're so unapologetic and I just freaking love that. That fuels me. Yes, I can resonate with that too. And I say that because I, I get into like rabbit holes with challenge shows and I love to watch American Idol. I love yeah. to watch The Voice, even though they're like the same exact thing. I love to watch baking challenge shows for the same thing. Yes. And Taylor, my fiance, is always like laughing and rolling his eyes at me because I'm like, oh my God, they're so happy. Like I just love yes. to see people happy and like doing it. So I, I feel that for sure because I'm just like, yeah, what is one piece of advice that if we all followed, we'd all the be better off? One piece of advice I would say that if everyone would follow, we would all be better off is to pledge allegiance to the self. And again, I know that sounds selfish, but again, I'm talking about being self-serving. I'm talking about honoring your values, honoring your needs, honoring your integrity. Pledging allegiance truly to the self is what that's that's also part of my movement. I I want people to operate from a place of self reverence, which is deep admiration and deep respect for the self. It's so common in most of our cultures to revere other people. Celebrity culture is a perfect example. And it's not even just celebrities. It's like, you know, we revere people in power. We revere our family members, our parents, you know, whatever. But rarely do we actually revere ourselves. And and self-reverence is different than self-confidence. Self-reverence is self-confidence in action. It's one thing to have a feeling of confidence in your abilities and skills, and it's totally another to put that into practice boldly and assertively and without guilt or shame. So that's what I would say. Pledge allegiance to yourself. Yes, I love, love that. <laughs> I'm glad. Cool. Where can we find you? How can people get involved with what you're doing? Oh Thank you for asking that. People can find me at alexandriatibido.com. I'll send you a link. I'm very active on Instagram. I'm at at alexandriatibido. I'll send you that too. And yeah, that's where you can follow me. Um, I have stuff for sale if you want. I sell candles that say protect your peace because who doesn't love a candle? Candles definitely allow us to protect our peace, especially for us HSPs. It's a very lovely sensory experience. I also have apparel um, like this one here. This says HSP. I have stuff that says protect your peace. Ooh, I have stuff that says boundary badass so you can represent peace and boundary setting with a declarative outfit. Um, yes. Ooh, and before we go, I want everyone to know this because I'm sure people are curious about this. If you're curious of whether or not you're a highly sensitive person, there is actually an assessment. It's 27 questions. And if you score 14, at least 14, it's more than likely you are considered a highly sensitive person. It's on um, Dr. Aaron's website. I'll give you the link to that as well. So you can go ahead and your listeners can take the assessment. Yes, I would love to link that in the show notes. I took it myself when I was just Googling around. Yeah. And yeah. 27 questions. 25. Oh my God, mine's 26. Yeah, mine's 26. 
Are you serious? We are so close. Oh my God. Also, oh my goodness. I forgot to say this. Oh my gosh. This is so important. This is so big. I'm overstimulated. Like, as you can probably tell, I'm overwhelmed. So I'm not thinking clearly. So hold on. I also have a podcast. It's called The Library of Alexandria. And uh, I would say that I I coach through that. I I teach through that. That is um, my, my biggest form of teaching and furthering my movement right now. So... All right, that's it, everyone. If you listen to this and you're like, holy crap, I am an HSP, I'm a highly sensitive person, you need to DM me right now because I have to connect with you on this because this is such an eye-opening thing to learn more about for me because I just it really helps me know myself better and also know how I can have better relationships and how I can prep the people in my life for what I feel at different times because it's very different. So anyway, I hope you loved it. Please leave a review. Come find me on Instagram at the Tea Please Podcast. Send me a DM. Send me the email. Let me know who you'd like to hear on the podcast. Literally, just come talk to me. I would love to get to know you more and connect. That's what we're here to do. So I will talk to you in the next episode. Have a great week. Music.